millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Happy Easter, one and all. Hello and welcome to episode 152 of We Are Going Up. This is Mark Crossley. Hope you're good. No David Cameron Walker with me this week because, well, as you know, if you listened last week, he's out in America on holiday. He was at WrestleMania over the weekend. Um, I didn't see it because I'm not a wrestling fan. However, I did see, how could you avoid, the um, <laughs> the banner, which was kind of front and centre by uh, some guy who stood right by the ring, which had a picture of the former Berry and current Grimsby Town striker Lennel John Lewis with the words his name is a shop next to it as in his name is a shop his name is a shop Lennel John Lewis his name is a shop the very one um, a chant which we debuted on this show many years ago probably in our previous incarnation apparently according to the papers it was a Grimsby fan called Andrew Newman but in my head it was DC I'm sure it was him you can tell us more when he gets back uh, thank you very much to everyone who has got in touch as well to point out um, the cock up that took place when the BBC interviewed the Australian cricket captain Michael Clark after their semi-final win at the World Cup against India last week uh, when he was asked a very similar question to one asked by DC on this show a few years ago. More on that later when I'll be joined by friend of the show Adam Williams. We'll speak to Adam uh, later on. He'll be joining me to look at a busy Easter weekend ahead and we're also going to be discussing a bit of this. Uh, the great escape can Hartlepool United do it it looks like it at the minute Ronnie Moore's men beat Cambridge 2-1 at Victoria Park on Saturday they've won the last four games in League 2 and for the first time since October last year they're out of the bottom two and Nick Laughlin who is the sports editor of the Northern Echo and a friend of this show he's been on a couple of times before will be joining me a little bit later to discuss the possibility of Hartlepool completing the greatest of all great escapes Uh, but first we're going to start uh, in Bedfordshire, more specifically at Kenilworth Road, because Luton Town's fantastic first season back in the Football League has kind of lost its way a little bit in recent weeks. Uh, in the middle of February, the Hatters were fourth in the division and a point off the automatic places with a game in hand. In fact, after they won 1-0 against Carlisle on Valentine's Day, it was looking pretty good. But since then, it's been a torrid story. Eight league games played, seven defeats, just one win. They've lost their last six in a row, which included a 2-1 defeat to playoff rivals Northampton at the weekend. They're now two points outside the playoffs, let alone a massive 16 points outside the top three. So can they turn things round just in time for the run-in? Well, joining me on the line right now is a man who follows the Hatters around everywhere. It is Mike Simmons, sports editor at the Luton News. Uh, Mike, firstly, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Um, Let's start with that Northampton defeat on Saturday, if we can. How much of a blow was that particular game, Um, especially considering the fact that Luton took the lead? Yeah, it was a massive blow. I mean, as you mentioned there, they, they hadn't actually taken the lead for a while in, in the last sort of five or six games. Um, so to actually go there, uh, take you know, get, get a goal ahead to Alex Norris, um, it looked like they could uh, well, at least definitely get, get a point and end the losing one that they'd been on. Um, 
But then they, they conceded um, two un- unfortunate goals. I mean, I think Northampton were the better team on the day and, and deserved the win. But but there was it was a bit of a dubious penalty, and there was a controversial decision leading up to the the, the late winner as well. Um, so yeah, I mean it was, it was a massive blow because it was a game they'd have looked at to, to try and end and their poor form and, and they couldn't manage it in the end uh, John still wasn't happy with that penalty was he at the end he's not a manager to no. be fair who tends to criticise referees but that one got his goat yeah I mean from, from where we were sitting it, it looked to us like he'd actually he'd, he'd scored I mean it looked like he'd, he'd sort of got to got to the cross uh, beating Harriman in the air hmm. and it was going to go in but I mean uh, we couldn't really see the handball in there and if anything it looked like he had been slightly pushed in the back before uh, in the jump for it so yeah I mean I was I was quite surprised the penalty was awarded um, what's happened then uh, in the last six weeks or so because I mentioned there the uh, amazing sort of form before that you'd only lost uh, Luton only lost five of their first 31 games yeah. yep. after getting promoted of course last season and now they've lost seven of their last eight I know every team goes through a, a bad patch at some point but this has gone on quite a while now can you put your finger on what's gone wrong no, I think it's even eight from nine. I think of course it's, it's sorry, even, sorry, yes. even a little bit, a bit worse than that. I mean, uh, I mean, injuries really haven't helped them. They had, I mean, the, the spine of the team has has been has been missing for a point. I mean, Mark Tyler hasn't played the last sort of seven or eight games now. Um, they they lost both defenders to suspension. Um, Nathan Doyle, he he was a big miss. He missed sort of seven or eight games. Jonathan Smith was out as well, uh, and, and they've had players coming back in from injury, the likes of Luke Guthridge, Alex Lawless. Um, Paul Benson as well, who who are going to take a while to get fit, but having to get fit kind of while while playing in the first team really. So, I mean, in, injuries has really has really hurt them, uh, and it's been like that for most of the season. But in the sort of last um, sort of five or six weeks, it's, it's really kind of kicked in again for them. Um, I mean, that and I'd say, I mean, that that sort of a lack of maybe scoring goals, uh, which it's kind of been a feature all season really, but really sort of happened in the last couple of weeks as well has kind of really affected them. And why, why have they, they they struggled to score goals? I know Elliot Lee got a couple, didn't he, uh, last week yes, against Wickham, yeah. and he's into the end of the season, so that must be uh, a boost, at least, in that department. It definitely was a boost. He, he was excellent against Wickham, uh, started, scored twice, but then he got an injury as well, and he missed Saturday, and he probably won't play Friday. So, I mean, uh, that's, that's what I mean. As soon as they get someone in who looks really lively and, and can score a few, uh, he, he picks up a knock as well. Um, it, it's just they just they maybe haven't had the, the supply line there all season. I mean, Mark Cullen scored. I think he's on. He's in double figures for the season, but I mean, he's gone a while without a goal now. Um, it, it's been mainly the supply. They haven't really created lots and lots of chances, uh, and I think that that's been the main sort of area they've, they, they, of their downfall. Uh, and John Still's been quite busy, hasn't he, in the loan window? Lots of players <coughs> coming in. I think there's is it five loanees in at the minute, or six maybe. Six. Um, yeah. And yeah, Lu- six. Lewis Kinsella as well, the latest one who played on Saturday. Yeah. That's right, yeah, he came in from Aston Villa. Um, they had uh, Scott Griffiths, the normal left back, needs a hernia operation. Um, so he, he, he that's all booked in for in, in April some, at some stage. Um, Jake Howell was, was playing left back and uh, he he picked up a knock as well. So, um, yeah, they, they signed Lewis on the, on the Thursday, came straight in, uh, picked up a booking quite early on on Saturday. So uh, they had to kind of walk, walk the tightrope uh, for, for most of the game. But no, he gave a good, a good performance, what was his, uh, his, his full league debut. And do you think, I mean, that, that sort of many new players coming in, has that upset the balance perhaps in the squad? Is that maybe a factor? Um, possibly. I mean, I suppose that they have had, to, they've had to bring a lot of new faces in um, who might not necessarily be used to the way that Luton play and also I mean they're making their, their senior debut so they're not they're not experienced players either so uh, and then I guess that they're not really used to the, the rigours of League 2 football they've been playing more mainly kind of under 21s Premier League football which is which is a lot different because there's no real men in there playing that, that sound in the football so I mean yeah you could, you could possibly say that that has had a slight effect on some of the performances recently or the results indeed I'm quite interested actually because obviously you're a man who uh, covered uh, Luton in the conference uh, before, yes. before this season so two questions for you one 
How have you found just watching League Two, you know, the difference between the conference and League Two? And and secondly, if Luton were to finish where they are now, just outside the playoffs, how would that be regarded in terms of a season? Because there's been plenty of teams that have come up from the conference and done the sort of double bounce and got promoted to League mm. One. Um, and having had the start they've had, perhaps it might be slightly disappointing, but at the same time, they're nowhere near relegation. No, that, that, that's the thing. I mean, had they... Had they, uh, if, if at the start of the season, if you just said, "Oh, you, you'll finish ninth, eighth, ninth in the table," um, I, they wouldn't. I suppose Luton fans would—they're always fairly optimistic, uh, or fairly, uh, I mean, hoping, hoping to do well. Um, and I mean, they, they would have—they would have probably hoped for, for playoffs at the very least. But I mean, some of them are obviously having a five years in the conference to be in League Two and finish ninth. They would probably have accepted it. But with the start they had and being in the top three, and then. Um, being in the top seven, I think, since October, um, it's kind of it's been a little bit disappointing the fact they have dropped out of it now, and I think people's expectations and hopes were raised because of the excellent start and the uh, the long lengthy unbeaten run they went on. Um, <clears throat> so I think supporters now would would although they would probably accept eighth or ninth, that it would be seen as a slightly disappointing season just because of how well they did for such such long periods. And in terms of the difference in quality between the two divisions, um, it's. It's definitely a lot, a lot better in League Two. I mean, I mean, in, in the conference there were there were some very, you can look back at there some very easy games. To me. I mean, they, they went to Alfreton and won five nil, won five nil against Nuneaton. I think they put seven past Hereford in, in the conference season. And um, so the, the the standard of opposition each every week wasn't wasn't as good as as it is in League Two. I, mean, I don't think League Two has been the, the best ever league, or the best no, ever League no. Two. But I mean, the, the difference is, I mean, it's just it's just better players. I mean, you've got players like Matt Tubbs in there, um, and it's a really good strikers, especially as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, that is, is a much a much higher standard than, than the confidence they've come out of. Okay, well, let's have a look at the uh, the running then. Seven games to go. Um, Exeter yep. at home on Good Friday this week. Uh, Tranmere away on Easter Monday. Obviously, Tranmere fighting for their lives at the bottom. Uh, then Burton at home on Saturday, the eleventh. The league leaders at the minute. Uh, Dagenham away on the fourteenth. Obviously, John's still going back to his old club. Then Hartlepool, yep. who are scrapping for their lives South End who are in the playoff pack and then the potential of a very important derby game on the last day of the season uh, against Stevenage um, yeah. what do you make of that running and how many points do you think they need from it because I know John still said on Saturday didn't he that he thinks they need four or five wins from those yeah. games no, yeah that's right that's right I mean especially because there's a, the, the actual playoff the playoff group now I mean I think only maybe they can only really get six or seven I think with the top five well the top three of, are clear uh, the top five probably is beyond them now so there's only a couple of spaces left um, so out of the seven games I think they would need to definitely get to do it they would need to get four wins possibly a couple of draws and, and maybe just, just one defeat in there I mean because uh, uh, the teams like Plymouth are coming on strong now um, South End are in there Stephen has got a point last night against um, Burton um, so yeah I'd say looking at those at that run in they would definitely have to get, get four wins couple of draws and just a one defeat um, and if they were in the playoffs of course John still um, took Dagenham up in the league yep. two playoffs back in I think it was 2010 so they'd obviously ha- he'd obviously got pedigree and experience uh, if, it did, if it did come to that um, tell us a little bit more about John Steele's time at Luton because obviously um, me and DC came to the, the Luton-Berry game at the start of the season we did a live show from there but obviously the fans uh, sorry uh, football league fans know that Luton have been out of the league for quite a while what kind of difference has John Steele made since he's come to the club taking him sort of general look 
Yeah, he, I mean, he came in the back end of the, the season before last, and he was just obviously watching the, watching the games and, and just forming opinions of the squad. Um, and then, and then last season, I mean, the, the, the main sort of difference he had was that he definitely um, united the, the sort of the team and the fans because previous managers had they'd been there and, and they'd been in home games. There was quite a lot of tension during the home games. The atmosphere wasn't wasn't very good. It was a couple of misplaced passes or a defeat, and, and the reactions weren't very good. But they managed to come in, and, and everyone. After after a couple of games and they started winning some games, he he really did he really did get all, all the fans on side and there was just the atmosphere at home games was was so much improved and, and there was a, a lack of fear maybe from the players playing at home last season um, and and they really used that to their advantage. So I mean he, he definitely came in. He's very he's very popular manager. Um, all the, all the fans really 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 like him. He's very honest as well. Um, and it was definitely getting that that sort of bond going between between fans and and players that that, that definitely helped them last Because uh, any manager that loses eight out of nine league games, um, yeah, take an expert to know that they would quite usually be under a bit of pressure. But you just don't think that's the case in this situation. I, I don't think. I mean, he 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 has. There is some pressure now from supporters. I mean, if, if you, you can look at forums and you can just just hear hear fans talking and and they're saying he has lost eight out of nine. Now. I mean, that, I mean, we we have a right to question sort of how 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 things have gone. I mean, in, in his defence, I guess I mean, injuries have, have really played a part. And I mean, they, they just they just haven't. They've been unlucky in, in certain areas. But they just they just haven't have picked up the results they should have done. So I mean, but he's not he's not above pressure or, or above criticism from, from from some fans. And, and there are a couple who are sort of just wondering now. So I mean, a, a couple of wins and a finish the season on the high would definitely go go some way to actually uh, ending that. And then and then hope if if they don't go up to then then start next season well again and, and really push on. And I mean, if, if he can make some some key signings in the summer and just to maybe just just get some more more quality rather than than quantity in on the squad. Then I think that will definitely go some ways to sort of um, ending any any sort of pressure on him. Say it did go like really really well between now and the end of the season. Obviously, uh, Luton, a, you know, historically big club, got a big fan base compared to a lot of other teams in in League Two. If they did get back into to League One this season at the first time of asking, how well equipped do you think they would be? Um, they would definitely need improvement in the squad during the, the summer if they if they went up this season. I mean, you only have to see that the last sort of eight eight or nine. Games they, they they've lost and uh, and and they have I mean quite a few of the teams have have played better than them and have, have deserved the points and those so I mean they have got the core of a really good squad that that could do well I mean there's a, at least you have a, at least some of the players at the moment in the squad would 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 make the first team in League One but there would definitely need to be uh, some real quality first team players brought in if, if they did go up because they would need the the squad strengthening for the for the uh, upper or higher standard of football. Okay, well. Let's finish with a couple of um, nice off-the-field stories, if we can, because um, there is quite a bit of positive press around Luton at the minute. Obviously, the game against Wickham last week, which was live on TV, was um, at the uh, newly renamed Prostate Cancer UK yeah. uh, stadium. And also the story doing the rounds about um, about Luton becoming the first football league club to commit to paying every employee there the living wage. I think it's only them and Chelsea out of all the yeah. professional clubs in England at the minute. So positive uh, stories being generated about the club in the national press for things like that can only be good news. That's right. I mean, I guess I guess Luton maybe hasn't had the best press. I mean, over the years, and I don't know if I mean, I suppose people have have tended to think that about the club. But I mean, yeah, they're only doing, I mean, good things off the field now. I mean, look at the game against Wickham where it got, it had had the stadium was renamed and it raised money. I think they raised fifteen hundred pounds beforehand. Um, in in the, the buckets and um, it got it on well, it was national it was on on the sky so I mean it got 
got, got good positive feedback from that and, uh, and the living wage too I mean uh, it's all things that just, just help improve the profile of the club off the field and finally your inkling do you think they'll make the playoffs or, or do, you, do you not see them coming back from this bad run uh, personally I, I don't think they'll make the playoffs no I think um, they've they're going, I just can't quite see say, as I said they, they need any sort of four wins in a couple of draws I just can't see the form changing around that that quickly uh, in the next sort of seven games so I think they will come out of this run perform but I just think that the playoffs might be a little bit too far for them this season now we shall wait and see uh, Mike thanks very much for coming on the show good no to talk to okay. you enjoy the rest okay. of the season that is uh, Mike Simmons who's the sports editor of the Luton News and you can follow Mike on Twitter he is at Luton News underscore LTFC and next we're going to switch our attention from a team in poor form at the top to one in great form at the bottom this is the We Are Going Up podcast we've got the football league covered Okay, so to Victoria Park then, where finally some light at the end of a long, long, long tunnel for Hartlepool United, who have been staring relegation to non-league in the face for five long months now, uh, going into the bottom two back in October. But here we are at the end of March and they're out of it. They've won the last four games. Uh, the most recent, a 2-1 win against Cambridge United at uh, Victoria Park on Saturday. Ronnie Moore is pulling off the great escape. Can they complete the job? Let's find out more from Nick Laughlin, who's, uh, I think, making his third appearance on the show. Hattrick appearance. Uh, Nick is the sports editor of the Northern Echo and he joins me now. Nick, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show. Um, tell me about this amazing run then. Was that one of the best performances of the season at the weekend? Um, it's it's the best moment of the season. Um, performance difficult to say because performances this season have been so desperately bad. When you see three, four wins on the trot, every single one of them's cherished and enjoyed and celebrated. <laughs> um, it really has been, you know, the season from hell really. Um, and it's all credit, full credit, immense credit to Ronnie Miller for giving them that lift and you know galvanising them getting them going and somehow managing to get four wins on the trot out of them do you think that's all it is he's just kind of uh, you know motivated the players or, or has he done stuff tactically and made changes like that um, bit of everything really I think uh, he's, he, in the situation Paul's have been in for someone like him to come in who's the old dog who's been around the block who knows football inside out you know he's he's in his 900 off game as, as a manager um, he wants his thousands to be in the football league and the way he's going you know at the moment touch wood and all that every <laughs> chance uh, it could be next season um, Paul's biggest problem was when Colin Cooper left the appointment of Paul Murray and I think that was a sort of appointment rookie manager someone who knew the club from his playing days well respected but that was the sort of appointment you make if you're mid-table or in the top however many um, you know if you're doing well not a gamble you know to dip into someone untested when the club was in such a mess on the playing side um, so the loss sort of six, seven weeks under him if you like um, and then they did the right thing the point in running though when he came in the club you know the dressing room was in a state players didn't speak to each other not because they were not liking each other they were just quiet they were just there was no team spirit no unity no fight in them everything had just been drained out of them really um, and then Ronnie Mills come in and he's he's an honest character I think anyone in football who knows him who's come across him before will tell you he's a joker he's a character he's lively he tells it how it is and he's exactly what they've needed um, and by hook by crook by slagging them off by <laughs> 
fighting with them, by putting his arm around them, by kissing and cuddling them. He's got them off the bottom of the league. So, you know, if he does it, then, yeah, the statue we built in Hartlepool <laughs> of him next to one of Andy Cap. Well, I suppose it, it's kind of win-win, really, because, like you say, it couldn't really get any worse before he came in. And for him, after what happened last year, it's kind of a chance to restore his reputation, really. Although, yeah, obviously, it was a huge challenge. Yeah, it was. Um, and, you know, and he came in at a time when the club was in the process of being taken over as well. And then over the course of a uh, four, six weeks period, that takeover didn't happen. So the, the current and previous owners remained in charge. So it was difficult. You know, he started having his hands tied behind his back, if you like, during the transfer window in January. Um, but he's worked a miracle in getting loan signings in. Not all of them have worked out, but the majority of them have. And they've really sort of revamped the squad. He's brought experience in. He's brought potential in. And somehow, the, you know, he's just got them all gelled together. I mean, honesty is his policy, you know, and one of the best things he said, you know, this season for me, one of the great lines was some of these football, some of these in this dressing room, I don't know who they think they are. Next season, they won't be playing for Real Madrid. They'll be working in Asda. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes some players need a brutal reality check and an honest assessment like that. And then suddenly over the last three weeks when, you know, myself, I, I had them written off, I had them down. Mm. I was, you know, looking at the map the next season for Forest Green, etc. in the conference, because there was no way in a million years you could see this, this group of players winning three, four, five games on the trot. Um, he always said they could because he knows the division. He said in this at this level, a team can win six or seven games as much as it can lose six or seven games. And at the moment, there's plenty of times they've been through the losing in six and seven, and now <laughs> they're actually winning six and seven, which is you know if they do that, then yeah. You know, it'll be job done I would guess we'll talk about the run in a second I mean obviously improvements at both ends of the pitch because I mean keeping clean sheets was just something that Hartlepool just have not done all season um, in fact remember they even went out of the FA Cup didn't they to Blythe Spartans um, on, the, on the TV so it has been complete misery all the way but they have actually started to score goals again and uh, Jordan Hugill uh, lone striker has come in tell us about him because he's been a success yeah he had a good, he had a good encouraging strong debut on Saturday and that's one of the things Ronnie Moore's done he's um I think last time I was on the show, we spoke about uh, Marlon Harewood. Yeah. Pedigree, yes. Experience, yes. But he just hasn't cut it at all at this level, at this club. It's just not work for him. He's been a, a major disappointment. Flat-footed, slow, sluggish. Done the odd cameo appearance, yes. But that's as far as it's one. And, and you need more than that from someone like him. Um, so what Ronnie Moore's done, he's, he's had three loan strikers in now. Hugo's the last of them. Um, Rickish Bingham from Mansfield who came in and had a bit of pace and movement at the forward line he got recalled by Mansfield because they were in a predicament and he got Ryan Bird in from Cambridge and his work rate was immense and great and sort of set the standards from the, the front line chasing closing down which wasn't happening um, he got recalled by Cambridge because they're in a mess now and they needed him back and then he's gone to Preston and got uh, you know a local lad born in Middlesbrough just down the road from here Jordan Hugel and yeah he, look, he looks he looks good you know he's not 100% fit he's had a spell at Tromley when he hasn't really played but he put himself about and up front bit of a master stroke again tactically if you like he's Jonathan Franks winger frustrating winger can beat his man but always hit you know his delivery always lets him down he's played him up front to the middle and he's been a revelation in you know graft efforts chasing closing down and that's the, the difference now they've got two strikers up top who are setting the standards and when the, you know the rest of the team sees two lads up top chasing the opposition defenders, stopping them, bringing the ball out, you know it just makes a big difference to the rest of the team and the rest of the unit. Okay, so let's have a look at the, uh, the state of play at the bottom. There, obviously, Cheltenham have just brought in Gary Johnson um, as their new manager, which you'd think would probably give them a little bit of a kick up the backside. Um, Tranmere struggling, but uh, Carlisle and York just above Hartlepool. Hartlepool are in twenty second at the minute, and if you look at the running, 
they've got to play York away uh, amongst these uh, last seven fixtures and the last day of the season they're away at Carlisle I mean that could all come down to that game <laughs> it's going to be interesting isn't it? I mean you know tickets for York went on sale last week and have sold out in a couple of days 2,000 tickets for Harleyville fans yeah it's only 40-50 miles down the road but that could be absolutely immense that day um, and the same you know I don't like to think about Carlisle last day of the season you'd like to think it's over and done with and safe by then but that's, that's got to be the hope because you don't want to go there with both teams needing something or Oh, it doesn't bear thinking about, does it? You know, no. Especially when Carlisle have the the history of Jimmy Glass, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, from you know when they sent Scarborough down yeah. in what ninety seven, I think it was ninety eight. Yeah, yeah it's, oh, it's, it doesn't bear thinking about. So we're not thinking about that. We're just thinking about right, get the job done, get, <laughs> get safe, and enjoy the last day of the season and fancy dress like the Hartlepool fans are renowned from the last few years. Absolutely <laughs> right. Well, the Easter double then is Newport away on Friday and then Southend mm. at home on Monday. Uh, both sides who are in the playoff uh, shake-up at the minute. Um, Southend obviously didn't complete a full game last Saturday, uh, only played five minutes before their game was abandoned. Is it crucial that Harlepool, you know, pick up a, at least a couple of points or, or one win from these games? Yes, you know, really, you know, because it is out of the, you know, it is in their hands. If they win the games, then six points, you know, heck, more or less safe. If they drop points, then who's to say that Cheltenham, who's to say, you know, Cheltenham play York, who's to say Tramier to win as well. So, you know, because this run they've been on, it does open a little bit more and gives them that little bit of breathing space. And, you know, it's not going to go swimmingly over the last seven games. No one's saying that just because they've, um, lifted themselves a third bottom they're going to stay there Chancellor might drop back into the bottom two but by being out there it's the if you like the psychological part of it now can the other teams can the clubs at the bottom handle it because they'd all written Hartley Pool off you know I had supporters had everybody had you know pools are down there was only one relegation place to play for and then this little little spin they've been on has really turned it round and then you know other teams now even you know, Cambridge and Pools beat on Saturday they're only uh, five points, I think, ahead of pools now. So, you know, they're catchable. There's nothing in it at all. And the way, you know, Victoria Park on Saturday, yes, you know, there was five and a half thousand there. The clubs reduced ticket prices £10 to get in to, to get as many in as possible, generate an atmosphere. And things like that help. Things like that make a difference. And the atmosphere in the town now, supporters on the terrace and out and about in the pubs and clubs isn't doom and gloom. It's all positive hey we can do this let's make a fight of it and I'd be disappointed if there's less than 6,000 there on Easter Monday It's amazing isn't it how quickly sort of uh, the mood can change when you get a, f- a few wins behind you I mean it must have been terrible for those fans all season and we know how difficult it is uh, for clubs once they get relegated out of the Football League sometimes to, to get back in um, at the first attempt or even the second third fourth attempt so I mean how crucial is it now that having given themselves this chance they can go and get the job done now and survive Exactly. I mean, if you look at the conference, there is a, an awful lot of clubs. It's like the old fourth division from 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, the clubs in there have been in there. And like you say, it is very difficult to get back out of it once you drop out. And being a football league club for what's in, you know, formed in 1908, Harley Pool, so you've know, never dropped out of the league. They've been mighty close on a lot of occasions. 14 applications re election over the years when that was in place. And under the current owners, things have you know, tailed off a little bit you know, the last couple of years. But prior to that they had the best period the best sustained period of success in the club's history you know 10 years ago and there's a reunion dinner um, planned in May 10 years since they, they played Sheffield Wednesday in the League 1 playoff final at Cardiff and they were 8 minutes from reaching the championship you know a successful football team is it means everything in the town it means everything not just to the town of Hartlepool but you know if there's fans here of Cheltenham whoever else York listening to this they'll know a winning team 
and everyone has a spring in the step. Your pint tastes better on a Saturday night. The atmosphere is better on a Saturday night. The taxi drivers talk to you when you go out on a Saturday night. <laughs> you know, it just gives everyone that little bit of lift. And at the moment, pools have got that momentum, which is key because other teams, you know, I'd like to think, dare I say, like, you know, you go back to Cambridge, I think it's one win in ooh, 14, 15 now for them. Mm. You know, pools have won four on the trot, so hey, the gap's closing and, you know, there's plenty of them looking over the shoulder. You're starting to get a bit worried now and, like I say, they'd already written pools off and there was only supposedly one relegation place to play for. Now there's two and it's uh, most certainly game on. If you were, like, say this was the Premier League and a team were struggling down the bottom, a, a lot of the time what the manager would do, he'd bring in, like, experienced heads and, you know, try and get sort of a yeah. core of players who've been in a similar situation. But what I don't think gets mentioned a lot when you sort of look down the leagues is that it's often very young players who are sort of, you know, got the responsibility of trying to get a team out of trouble. And none more so can you see this than on Twitter at the moment because a lot of footballers have the year they were born in their sort of Twitter handle. <laughs> you might know it's yeah, this. and it's frightening. It is frightening. And I think yeah. it's Scott Harrison who scored on Saturday. It might not be him. Apologies if it isn't. But so I'm sure someone had 96 in that's, their uh, that's Brad, Brad Walker. Brad Walker, okay, in, in yeah. their um, yeah. in their Twitter handle, and it's like, yeah. oh my days, oh. 19 years old. Um, so I mean, there's, there is a lot, yeah. sort of a lot of young players who are, you know, if they can survive, going to get a huge amount out of having been in this battle and got through it. Yeah, it's all part of experience and all part of the the, the career picture, if you like, isn't it? You know, Brad Walker last season burst through in the first team signed his professional contract regular under Colin Cooper did really well second season syndrome he's had um, burned out needed a rest needed taken out the firing line he trained with England under 18 last year he was that good this season it's been desperate for him but he's refreshed now he's back in the team he scored two in two games and he is for me now he's looking better than the player he was last season and that rest he's had he's come back at the right time now you've got Scott Harrison who also scored on Saturday centre half if there's a more powerful, aggressive centre-half in the division I've yet to see in this season, attacks the ball, you know, and if he attacks it, he wins it. Um, and then alongside, you know, like this young lad alongside him, Dan Jones, another one who's come in from the youth team. And I think they are, they're just playing with no fear at the moment, the young lads. There's a few older heads in there, like um, a lot of listeners will know David Murphy being around the block, centre-half, on loan from Scunthorpe, and he's like the old head, the old Carmen influence in the back, foot, in the back three, as it is now. But Jones and Harrison alongside him, have been superb and yeah like you say you know, there is that um, where young players don't necessarily play with fear or the weight of expectation they're just going out there and enjoying it and when you get Walker and Harrison scoring out it on Saturday it just adds to their enjoyment <laughs> so it's going to be a very uh, nerve wracking few weeks I won't put sort of put you on the spot and, and ask you to you know 100% say whether they'll, they'll stay up or not but if they keep this momentum going do you think there's enough sort of sides down there with them for, for them to be to be okay Yes, I really think they do. I mean, uh, you know, we went to Morecambe three weeks ago and on the way down there we were talking and they were, we brought them off, you know, really hard. They had back-to-back away games and it really was the last chance saloon. They had to win it in Morecambe. They had to win it Oxford on the Tuesday um, and somehow by hook, by crook, they deserved to win them both and they did it and that gave them momentum going into back-to-back home games and Easter weekend, it's always that big one, isn't it? Everyone said Easter where things are decided. Well, we're not going to be clear cut come five o'clock on Monday evening, but it could go a long way. Um, two tough games for Poles, but then you know they've got winnable games afterwards. And the, the, like we've already referred to and mentioned, the massive trips to York and Carlisle, both teams who beat Poles at Victoria Park this season. But that was under previous manager. That was under desperate situation when Poles were we're a terrible team and now they really are a team transformed with confidence belief playing a system which suits them 
Um, players who were up for it now who weren't up for it players who were flaky in and out who weren't performing have been taken out of the picture completely and this is a real united front at the moment you know team supporters town staff everyone's up for it and they've got that unity and that momentum which you know, it doesn't mean you get three points on a Saturday, but it goes one hell of a long way to getting them, doesn't it? It's the hope that kills you. It really does. <laughs> uh, Nick, thanks for coming on. Good to talk That's to you. Try and enjoy Any the uh, rest of the season if you can. Uh, that is Nick Laughlin, the sports editor at the Northern Echo. Uh, stay there. I've got a phone call to make in just a second. The We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello, Adam Williams. How the devil are you? Hello, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very well, thanks. Um, so this is Adam from uh, BBC Sport website. Everyone who's listened to the show for ages knows that. Now I don't want you to feel like you're the substitute whenever DC's not here. Um, <laughs> but you, you did have sort of 20 minutes free this evening on the phone to help me out because I'm all on my tod here. Um, so uh, yeah, I, th- I thought we'd get you on for a little chat. Now we're going to start, Adam, if you don't mind, uh, by mm-hmm. someone you know, uh, Stefan mm-hmm. from the BBC Sport website. Um, That's right. Tell tell us about this little story. Loads of people have uh, have, uh, have emailed and stuff about this. Uh, so what happened? Mm-hmm. This is a, um, uh, this is Michael Clark in the, the cricket, the Australian cricket captain after the semi final in the press conference. That's right. Well, well, Stefan has been um, for the last two months virtually um, down under covering the Cricket World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. So he's he's been um, living out of a suitcase and travelling uh, to all kinds of places up and down Australia and New Zealand. So it's fair to say he's, he's been working very, very hard over the last eight weeks. Um, and he was in the final furlong, it's fair to say, um, of a very, very long tournament. And uh, as you just suggested there, it got to the one of the pre final press conferences a couple of days before um, the final on Sunday at the MCG and uh, it was uh, him and thousands of other journalists opportunity to quiz uh, both uh, Michael Clark, the Australian captain and uh, Steve Smith as well um, the Australian all-rounder and um, very similar to a very famous incident from the past of this podcast Um, unfortunately um, Stefan had a little bit of a problem getting his words out and he may well have mixed the word um, success up with another word that begins um, with S which is considerably shorter should we have a listen to it Let's have, let's have a let's have a quick listen. Michael, you've had tremendous sex, success as Australia captain. <laughs> <laughs> you might have had that as well. I don't know. How well, how well do you know me? <laughs> um, yeah, that's well, a question. It's a question for my wife. <laughs> Steve Smith absolutely lost it uh, in that press conference. Uh, but as, as, you, as you say, very, very similar to an incident on this show. We got there first, if anything. Um, let me take you back to, I think this is 2012. Here is the Bristol Rovers at the time manager, John Ward, speaking to me and DC on this very podcast. Could, could you perhaps see one day him taking over, maybe in, in a few years down the line, if you continue to have sex and... Uh, <laughs> Slipper. No, we can't do that. Sorry, if you continue to. (laughs) (laughs) That'll that'll be one one of the outtakes. That'll be one of the outtakes. That's staying in. Yeah, I'll pick up up from there. Yeah, we're pretty close, but not that close. (laughs) 
any excuse to dig that out, I am taking the opportunity, let me tell you. <laughs> and he can't do anything about it because he's in the middle of America and he's not even listening. Oh, by the way, uh, people did uh, ask us, did he, um, did he, did, was the podcast up in time for him to listen to on the uh, on the plane? Um, at 11.58am last week, I got a WhatsApp message uh, with a picture of him uh, proudly holding his podcast app up uh, while stood in the queue <laughs> to actually get on the aeroplane. There you go. So it did actually make it out in time. Right, okay. Let's, uh, let's talk football, Adam. Uh, we'll come on to the League One and League Two action from the weekend in a minute. First, though, the championship. Um, no games last week because of the internationals, but you've got Good Friday and Easter Monday fixtures coming up this weekend. Ipswich, you're an Ipswich fan. Uh, you've just brought in Johnny Williams, Zeki Friars on um, part-time deals, on loan deals, uh, till, uh, between now and the end of the season. And your two games over the weekend are Bournemouth at home, which is huge, and then you are Huddersfield away. What do you make of it? Um, well, you just mentioned the, the break over International Weekend. I think um, if you asked a lot of supporters of teams in that top eight of the Championship, I think they'd probably welcome the opportunity just to um, take a deep breath and relax um, for a weekend and from the sort of comings and goings that have been taking place um, in recent weeks. What do I make of our two fixtures? Well, that game on Good Friday is absolutely huge for us. Um, at home to Bournemouth, who it has to be said, I think look like the team who you know can't do any wrong really at the moment and it would appear that they are very much in the box seat being a point clear at the top of the table over Watford um, and you almost get the, the sense that it, the momentum is with them and, and it's theirs to, to lose from here on in Have you, um, um, have you seen who they brought in on loan? Uh, Kenwin yes, Jones uh, Kenwin Jones from, from Cardiff, from Cardiff which, a surprise. Uh, is a very, very interesting signing um, but quite a shrewd one as well I think which will you know, just give them an added option um, for these remaining games. And you mentioned, obviously, that uh, Ipswich have brought in Johnny Williams for a third loan spell um, from Crystal Palace and Zeki Friars as well. Um, a right back there is a little bit of defensive cover for a couple of injuries and suspensions. And, you know, those kind of additions that, that squads have made just before that uh, loan window closed last week will just give them just that little bit of extra um, sort of fresh uh, focus and fresh legs. And Kenwin Jones, you know, while it's not quite worked out for him over the last year or so while he's been at Cardiff, I think um, anyone really who joins a side that's top of the table and potentially seven games away from reaching the top flight, surely it's got to be buoyed by that opportunity. <laughs> I think so. Um, uh, other big game on Friday's uh, Derby against Watford. I think those are the two TV games on Sky, aren't they? Ipswich, Bournemouth and Derby, Watford. Mm-hmm. Both massive at the top end. I'm not quite sure if it can happen this weekend, but Blackpool are going to be relegated at some point soon, that is for sure. Uh, they are away at Reading, uh, sorry, home to Reading on Tuesday. Before that, they're away at Bolton on Saturday. Two big games. I think we did the maths last week. I think it could happen in the next couple of games. Uh, but what's very interesting, uh, Adam, is uh, the, the situation down at the bottom. Millwall uh, looking increasingly cut adrift, but Wigan and Rotherham, just a five-point gap there. Wigan are playing, who they got over the weekend. They have got Middlesbrough away and then Derby at, uh, Derby at home. That's tough. Uh, whereas uh, Rotherham have, I'm just having a look at the fixtures, Birmingham away and then Brighton at home. So you'd think... Rotherham have got the advantage in terms of the fixtures they just need to turn that into points well you say that and uh, but it's funny Wigan in, in recent weeks have actually pulled off some some fairly interesting results of their own I mean they went to Norwich not that long ago and, and picked up a 1-0 win there after Norwich I think went into that game having won six in a row so I mean you can, you can sit and stare at these, these run-ins and these fixture lists for hours on end and believe you me I've been doing quite a lot of that <laughs> since about January when uh, when we had a chance to, to go top of the table um, 
during a midweek game at Brighton. Unfortunately, we lost. And I think I wrote a blog about that time that, you know, you, you're almost resigned to it as a supporter of a team at the top end that you have to just, you know, commit yourself to staring at the various um, matches that the teams in and around you have got. And, you know, it's that old adage that when it comes to this stage of the season, there isn't really anything like a... Um, a gift-free point. I mean, I'm I'm sweating over the fact that we've actually got to play Blackpool at home in about three weeks' time. I, I'm probably fearing that much um, the most out of the remaining seven that Ipswich have got because it's just got banana skin written all over it. Um, and I really feel that there's going to be so many twists and turns in this promotion it and could, relegation race. It could be like potentially the best last day of the season ever. Well, maybe not for you because you're a fan of one of the teams involved, but you know what I mean. It well, could be. Yeah. There could be so much drama, and it will do well to top last year with Birmingham staying up in the last minute. But you know mm. the way it's going, it looks it looks like it's going to be like that. Well, it's funny you said that because I actually I had a little fast forward um, to what that last round of fixtures is on the 2nd of May. You really have been studying these, haven't you? As well. Well, I mean, I just thought there's no real point really of looking at the next two or three games because we've seen it already throughout this season that teams can take points off each other so frequently. So I actually thought, well, who who have all the relative sort of challenges got on the final day? We've got to travel all the way up to Blackburn, which could be, um, you know, it could be interesting or could mean nothing at all by then. You don't know. Bournemouth, they've got to travel to Charlton. Derby, they're at home to Reading, Middlesbrough at home to Brighton, Norwich are at home to Fulham, um, Watford, you know, who could potentially have another one of those jittery last days again that DC was referring to the other day. They're at home to Sheffield Wednesday. So, I mean, you can't read anything into that have, at this stage, but potentially they could be the games where it all comes down to. Have Sky Sports ever shown seven games simultaneously live on the last day of the season? <laughs> well, Get well, preparing. Enough buttons on your remote to, exactly. to do that, but I'm um, sure they'll be doing everything that they can to, to try and squeeze seven games onto one screen, probably. Let's go into League One, uh, where there were games played over the weekend. Preston were live on the TV against Fleetwood in a derby game on Sunday. I don't know if you've seen the equaliser in this game, Adam, the David Ball chip. It is absolutely amazing. Amazing. It's like four minutes to go. He's got the ball, so it has to fight off a couple of players, back to goal, outside the penalty area, and then he just little little dink, clips it right into the top corner. And that could potentially be an important uh, two-points drop for Preston because Swindon have now got a game in hand. They're four points behind. Swindon haven't played for a couple of weeks. They'll be quite fresh going into uh, their games over the weekend. Um, and then they've got MK Dons in fourth. You've got Sheffield United in fifth. And then that last playoff place, uh, is still to be decided but what is quite interesting Adam I don't know if you've seen this stat is that Sheffield United mm-hmm. have lost three times at home in March so they're having a little bit of a wobble and if they didn't make it into the playoffs that would be a massive massive failure for, for Nigel Clough despite all the cup runs Indeed and, and you mentioned that that sort of last place is still very much up for grabs in fact you could probably throw a blanket over about eight to nine teams in League One, it's that tight all the way down to Gillingham in 14th, who are only five points off the top six. They've all pretty much got a shout. You mentioned Peterborough last week on the show um, after you, your visit that DC and yourself made there. Um, you know they're right up there as well now, and there's there's half a dozen other clubs like I just mentioned who you know if they get the right results and they get the right rub of the green over the next few weeks, they they'll make a late run in there. Um, so Rochdale obviously the team in possession at the minute but but hanging on there by goal difference um, Sheffield United as you say you know they have dropped off the pace a little bit but you've got to say that Preston they kept themselves on a fairly even keel throughout the season they've not been too bothered about the gap um, that's opened up above them to Bristol City who have obviously just been streets ahead of everybody else in that division 
this season. And Swindon are still very much in there, as you mentioned. They've got games in hand. But how often do we hear at this stage of the season that points in the bag really do make a difference? Mm. It looks like a good win for Chesterfield tonight away at Bradford. That'll take them back into the playoffs. So it's, it's so tight. Down the bottom, great win for Crewe. Um, who are now in 18 for Sheffield United. What a goal that was from Ryan Colclough, the winner in that game. And uh, three wins in six under Tony Mowbray has seen Coventry uh, move out of danger. 17th, the bottom four at the minute. Crawley, Orient, who did win against Port Vale, Colchester and Yeovil, who are basically gone. Into League Two then. Let's start actually at the bottom because we talked about Hartlepool earlier with Nick. They're out of the relegation zone. The team who were bottom of the Football League at the minute are Cheltenham Town. And Adam, they've brought in Gary Johnson uh, is their sort of short-term appointment till the end of the season, which you've got to think is a good move. Well, I mean, how many times have we mentioned Gary Johnson over the last two or three seasons on this podcast when he when he goes to certain clubs up and down the football league, and he has that effect where he'll come in and he'll, he'll change the the mentality and the tempo and, and and the vibe around the club, and you know, who's to say he won't have the same effect? Again, and you know, you look at that bottom four or five up to Cambridge. You could say in nineteenth, you know, there's there's four points there between five clubs, um, and the swing could be very, very. Um, we need a Jeremy Vine, Peter Snow swingometer, don't yeah, we? Yeah, you know, it could it could really it could really hinge over the course of this coming weekend. Obviously, I mean, how many times have we said that Easter is, is quite a pivotal time? Um, in the run-in and uh, you know even if you're a Cambridge United fan I don't think you'd necessarily be sitting too well, comfortably there I, knowing I am, that you're, you're only six points clear I'm going to be there on Friday I'm, I'm going to Cambridge making my debut at the, mm-hmm. at the Abbey Stadium so I'm going to be both <laughs> both Barry's games over the weekend so I'll be able to report back on what state Cambridge are in next week because Nick said earlier he wouldn't be too confident if he was them about uh, staying up at the top then uh, let's have a look it's Burton who played on an absolute pudding of a pitch against Stevenage on the telly last night um, quite how that game sort of managed to finish I'm not sure but anyway it was a one-all draw Shrewsbury another good win 2-0 away at Pompey Wickham keep bloody winning someone stop them uh, 1-0 at Dagenham on Saturday our game was called up after five minutes which is a bit of a farce uh, but it does not well, mean sorry go on well you say it was a bit of a farce but I was actually in that well part of the country on Saturday mm. afternoon and um I'll let you into a secret there was a considerable amount of rain in a very very (laughs) short period of time um, between about 2.55 and 3.20 which I got caught in at one stage on my way somewhere across Manchester Um, and while I was sat there um, thankfully in the dry uh, on a tram flipping through my phone the first thing that I saw um, was a lot of angry um, Southend United fans um, obviously tweeting pictures of the state of the pitch um, at the JD as you call it nowadays and uh, also a lot of them weren't too pleased that um, by way of compensation um, well, they've, well. Been, they've been handed a voucher which <laughs> that they could get half price off the ticket for the rearranged date well, that's, um, that's been changed like a, that's been oh, changed it yeah it's, it's, for, it's a free for all everyone who wants to go can get in for free that's the rule <laughs> they've announced that today that's so. how it should be Absolutely. I got caught out by that a few years ago when I went to a game um, at Ipswich which unfortunately got abandoned after about 20 minutes and they unfortunately they enforced the same rule that was um, initially put into place here where you had to pay for half the price yeah I think um, it's a football league rule so you had to pay again so I think it's a football league yeah re- but that's, that's exactly yeah not, it is it's not a club specific rule no and that's exactly how it should be but yes there were there were some less than pleased um, Southend United fans sharing pictures of their voucher and saying um, well once I've done the um, 
492 mile round trip or however far it is between Southend and Bury. I'm not sure if I'll be able to uh, cut up the extra for another half a ticket. So well, was, uh, yeah, was, I'm glad to see that's that's resolved. Yeah, it was quite a big game that. So it's a bit of a shame that it was it was called off. But uh, Bury, Southend, Newport, and Plymouth are in the playoff places as things stand uh, right I think that is just about it for uh, this week's show um, just to remind you you can sign up for a free month for the football pools right now if you go to wearegoingup.co.uk click on the link at the bottom of the page get cash prizes for correctly identifying 8 out of 10 results uh, for the games which are going on on Friday Good Friday and of course on Easter Monday as well and you can also click on the Paddy Power offer get yourself a uh, 20 quid free bet a free bet if you bet a fiver so sign up via the link on the homepage and also thanks to Audible these offers won't be there forever go and get yourself a free audiobook audible.co.uk slash going up is where you need to go it is completely free download anything you want and cancel it before the end of the trial month the trial period uh, right there's not going to be a show next week because I'm actually going up to, to, to Manchester so I won't be here next week and Dave will still be in America but the week after that Adam is when it will all resume and who knows what state uh, each division is going to be in by then and uh, we're just going to finish Adam a little secret you just moved into a new house today you were telling me and you don't have a bed yet um, <laughs> no um, it's uh, currently unfortunately I've inherited uh, um, a property from uh, a previous tenant who let's say um, didn't leave the bed frame in the um, <laughs> the best of conditions. So uh, yeah, I'm currently between frames. So not only am moment. I ringing you in the middle of an England Italy game, I'm also ringing you in the middle of you <laughs> trying to assemble the bed you're going to sleep on in a very short well, period no, no, of time. Well, uh, well, it hasn't arrived yet. Okay, um, I'm, I'm currently um, in a in a landlord tenant um, negotiation whereby uh, he's obviously stuck the order in. Contract but details. Now I've got to wait for that. Yeah, I've got to I've got to wait for the passage of time before um, the replacement arrives so uh, yeah I'm uh, sleeping on the mattress on the floor for the time being <laughs> what a lovely note to end on uh, Adam <laughs> good to talk to you as always mate that's uh, that's it for this week's We Are Going Up we'll speak to you week after next for more from the Football League this is the We Are Going Up podcast we've got the Football League covered <laughs>